Great morning, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Thank God for Monday. I'm Brother Greg Cellini of the Franciscan Brothers of Brooklyn in the Office of Mission, Ministry, and Interfaith Dialogue at St. Francis College in beautiful Brooklyn. My great pleasure to be back again with you today. The purpose of our show, Thank God for Monday, is to inspire you, our audience, to take personal responsibility for your professional satisfaction. We wanna provide you hope, healing, and peace in these unprecedented, turbulent, uncertain times. Motivate you to search deep inside yourself in the quest for fulfillment. Listeners, it's really up to you as how we utilize the information we provide today. Take full accountability for the decisions you make and a resulting outcome. Now, one of the goals of our show, thank God for Monday, is to introduce role models, role models of people who take very bold steps in their work lives. This is the end of a very special month, November, which is designated as National Career Development Month. One of the most important aspects of career development is listening, and as such, we are honored today to have with us a most special guest. His name is Oscar Trimboli. Oscar is a globally renowned keynote speaker and host of the Apple award-winning podcast, Deep Listening. He is also the author of the enlightening book, How to Listen, Discover the Hidden Key to better communication. Great morning and welcome to Thank God for Monday, Oscar. G'day and welcome from my morning here in Sydney, Australia, Greg. Uh, really looking forward to listening to our conversation together today. Oh, the honor is all ours. And thank you for getting up extra early to be here with us today on Thank God for Monday. This is amazing that you're tuning in and speaking all the way from Sydney, Australia. We love especially to have guests international and you've graced us today. So thank you so very, very much. Sadly, we've only got about 30 minutes. We could spend hours talking about this great book you've written, your life, your experience. If it's okay with you, Oscar, we're gonna just jump right now into the deep end of the pool. Oscar, please share a little bit about your background and experience, in particular, how you came to be, quote, the best in the world regarding listening. To understand me, I think you have to go back to 2008. I'm sitting in a boardroom uh, between Sydney, Seattle and Singapore. It's a video conference with 18 people. We're discussing the annual budgets for the year. It's supposed to be a 90-minute meeting, Greg. The meeting goes only for 70 minutes. There's something unusual about this meeting. And at the 20-minute mark in this meeting, my vice president, my boss, looks me straight in the eye across the room and she says to me, Oscar, we need to talk immediately after this meeting. Now, when your boss says that, the only thing that was going through my head, Greg, is mm, how many weeks of salary have I got left? Because I think I'm about to get fired. Oh, no. Anyway, the meeting does finish early, which is surprising for a budget meeting, any meeting that large. So as I go and close the door, 
uh, to make the room private. Uh, my boss says to me, you have no idea what you did at the 20-minute mark, do you? And I thought, great, I'm getting fired and I don't even know why. As I sat, <laughs> as I sat down next to Tracy, she said to me, Oscar, if you could code the way you listen, you could change the world. As profound a moment of insight and a beautiful, elegant example of listening on Tracy's behalf, the only thing that was going through my head, Greg, was... <laughs> I haven't been fired. I'd live to fight another day. And uh, since then, along with the Deep Listening Ambassadors, I've been on a quest to create 100 million deep listeners in the workplace because listening is the difference between chaos, conflict, confusion, and frustration in workplace dialogue. So I, I've committed to listen to Tracy. And I think one thing about listening, the difference between hearing and listening is taking action. And when Tracy said something very, very profound, this is what I blurted out, even though my captioning was, I haven't been fired. What I blurted out, Greg, was, Tracy, do you mean code or code code? Because I wasn't sure if she meant make it into software or some other, you know, coded into a book or coded into... I don't know. I just didn't know at the time. And she said, Oscar, we work at Microsoft Coded. Anyway, since then, we've coded it into, into books, into jigsaw puzzle games, into playing cards, into three books, and into the online listening quiz as well. So you can take a seven-minute listening quiz yourself at listeningquiz.com, and you can discover what gets in your way based on, on what we coded. So that that moment of insight from a brilliant listener, Tracy. Uh, is the reason I'm here decades later on this quest for 100 million deep listeners in the world. Wow. We are so blessed to have someone of your rope today on Thank God for Monday. Is that conversation with her what motivated you to write this great book, How to Listen, or was there some additional motivation? Please, Oscar. Uh, Greg, I think we teach what we want to get better at ourselves. And everything that I've created has come about as a result of me listening to my clients and those I serve, people in the audience when I speak or people who read the book. And in in July 2020, I got an email from somebody in the in the deep listening ambassador community who said, Oscar, if you really believe in this quest, this quest towards 100 million deep listeners, you need to write the most comprehensive book about listening in the workplace. Your first two books are great, but this book needs to be very thorough, very well researched, and a lot of back and forth between um, the person who sent the email. And then, and then we start a process of research. When you practice what you teach, uh, I, I can't start a book by writing it. So we started by researching 1,410 folks and asked them three really simple questions. We said to them, what do you struggle with when it comes to your listening? What's one thing that really annoys you when somebody's not listening to you? And then finally, we asked them this simple question, what's one thing you'd like to improve? And that research piece, that, that took a year just by itself, Greg. And then we did another piece of research, which was much more comprehensive about gender, about age group, about profession, about country. And we started to listen to what gets in the way when people listen. Now, might surprise you, Greg, um, 
focusing on the speaker, probably the wrong place to start your listening. Most people don't realize that they need to listen to themselves first. So whether that's building a career plan or listening to someone else, you need to close all the browser tabs down in your own mind so you can start to listen to yourself completely, your mind, your heart, and your soul. All three of those are giving you very different signals at a very different level of depth. And I don't know about you, Greg, but in your work, I I sense uh, in a lot of your listening, it's not just hearing. Uh, Words are one thing, but when you're in somebody's presence, whether that's via video conference or face-to-face, there's three really crucial elements of listening, what you hear, what you see, and ultimately what you sense. And what you sense is the emotion, what it really means to somebody, what, what, what it means to them well beyond the first words they say. So for me and for everybody out there, I want you to be clear on knowing that hearing is just taking an audio signal in. You could be hearing a fire truck. You could be hearing a police car. You could be hearing the air conditioning in your room. But listening is making sense of what another human is saying to you. So I think for many of us, we need to understand ourselves first before we get ready to listen to others. Uh, For me, I have very specific rituals when I prepare for that, Greg, uh, and I'm sure you do too. Uh, how do you get ready to have a conversation with someone else that's going to share something important? That is such a great question because what I try to do is calm myself, take some breaths, uh, say a prayer, and then really clear my mind and heart of everything else and try to focus on them totally. Does it always work? No, because sadly I'll let distractions come in sometimes. But I find that if I don't prepare at all, then it just quickly goes off the rails. And and I think, Greg, here's one thing we learn in our research. If you know how full your listening batteries are, are they green? Are they orange? Are they yellow? Or are they red? Sometimes when somebody wants to talk, it may not be the perfect time for you to listen. And again, if you listen to yourself and know, oh, I've just had a tough conversation with somebody else and my listening batteries are drained. Choose carefully when you choose to listen. Otherwise, your presence will be noticed by the other. Good good listeners, they pay attention to what the other person says and great listeners notice what they haven't said. They listen beyond the first set of words. Can I, can I just share a little bit about the science in your mind, Greg, about the neuroscience of listening? I think if you know these three numbers, it'll completely change your perspective on listening. The numbers are 125, 400, and 900. Now, 125 on average in Western English-speaking workplaces is the average speaking speed in words per minute. Now, if you call a horse race, you're a cattle yard auctioneer, you're selling real estate, you could be talking at 200 words per minute and you can still understand everything I say. And the reason you can is 400. 400 words per minute is your listening speed. 
So a lot of people know that they can watch YouTube videos much faster than the original speed and still retain comprehension. Oh, wow. And we know from vision impaired and blind people, they definitely can listen at 3.3 times speed and have complete comprehension outside of the normal context that they're in. They could be listening to something from a different profession or somebody with different accents. Of the three numbers, though, the most important, the one, if you don't take anything out of this conversation other than 900 words per minute, the 900 number is the crucial number. From the speaker's perspective, they speak at 125 words per minute, yet they can think on average, on average, at 900 words per minute. And here is a very basic physiological challenge. You have 900 words a minute in your head trying to come out of your mouth through your tongue and a system that only allows you to say 125 words per minute. So if all you do is listen to the first thing somebody says, you listen to 14% of what they think and what they mean. If all you do is listen to 14% of what somebody thinks, is it any wonder we have confusion, chaos, and conflict, and people don't feel complete? They don't feel heard. So as I said earlier on, good listeners pay attention to what somebody says, and great listeners notice what people haven't said because they've got that 800 words roughly stuck in their head. Now, you don't want to hear all 800 words per minute stuck in their head because Right now, one of the things I'm thinking about is um, the uh, dishwasher has just gone on downstairs. And although you probably can't hear it, I can hear it coming through the floor. As an example, you don't want to hear that. I'll give you a couple of quick questions. One thing people have taught me through the research, and we've researched now 22,000 folks across the English-speaking world. If you ask this question at the beginning of a conversation, your meetings will be shorter and they will be more impactful. Uh, Now, remember, a good listener listens to what somebody says, but a great listener will change the way a speaker communicates what they're thinking. And if you can do this, you'll change the way that person communicates with you, and typically it's shorter. I'll tell you a story from Minnesota, Greg, and it's a story about a stay-at-home mum, Jennifer, and her son, Christopher. And Christopher comes home from, from kindergarten, from primary school, and he jumps in all enthusiastically and says, Mummy, Mummy, I learned maths today. I learned the three is half of eight. Now, Jennifer is a primary school teacher, and she scratches her head, and maybe she thought he misspoke. And, and she says, Honey, could you say that again? And he said, Yes, mummy, I learned today that three is half of eight. (laughs) Now, Jennifer's completely frustrated. She goes to the kitchen cupboard. She gets eight M&Ms out of the kitchen cupboard and lines them up four by four. So four M&Ms in one row, four M&Ms in another, picks her son up and asks Christopher to count. How many chocolate soldiers in this row, honey? And he says, four, (laughs) mummy. How many in that? Four, mummy. And... His mum then says, Jennifer, she says to him, see, Christopher, honey, four is half of eight, not three. And with that, he leaps off the bench, goes to the corner cupboard, 
grabs a piece of paper and a Sharpie. On the piece of paper, he draws the figure eight. And then he shows it to his mum. And then he folds the piece of paper in half. He he tears it in half and he shows his mum two threes. And in that that moment, Jennifer realised that she was listening for similarities and patterns and her own professional upbringing. And Christopher was talking about geometry and she was thinking about arithmetic. Now, all of us have had three as half of eight conversations because we're listening to the very first 14% of what people say rather than what they actually think and mean. Now, Greg, here's the funny thing about this story. If you turn the eight horizontally and tear it in half, zero is half of eight as well. Oh. So zero is half of eight, three is half of eight, four is half of eight. But a lot of us are very fixated that we're right and they're wrong and our experience means things that they experience doesn't mean. So when it comes to your career development, be open-minded. Don't be obsessed with just what you're being told. Be broad, be wide, be diverse. Listen both for similarities and differences. So those numbers again, 125, 400, and 900. And if you know people think on average 900 words per minute. Now, if you work in any environment that's complex, creative, requires collaboration, maybe has some resource constraints, you could be listening to up to six, uh, thinking at up to 1600 words per minute, which means the chances that the first thing you say is what you mean drops down to 5%. Mm. Greg, have you had a three is half of eight moment? That is really a great question. Uh, Sadly, I cannot think of one. Probably if I had more time to think and reflect on it, uh, I would think of it. But, uh, and has- what you've just heard is Greg's first 125 words. So he needs to think, he needs to process it. And we may come back to that just before we finish, because I guarantee you, you've got a story there. Yeah, I'm sure I do. I'm sure I do. Now, as we said earlier on, Oscar, November is National Career Development Month. Is there a cost of not listening in career development? If so, what's that cost? please. Look, one of the costs for me when it came to my career development was my dad said to me, hey, Oscar, um, you will become an accountant. You are the first one in our family history to uh, go to university. You will become an accountant because an accountant's never out of a job. In the first six weeks in my job, my manager, Robert, he took me aside and asked me to write down 20 telephone numbers. Uh, and I, I wrote down 20 telephone numbers, 16 were correct and four were incorrect. And those four numbers were all divisible by, no, by nine, which meant I was transposing the numbers. If the number was 891, I'd write 819 or 981. Oh. And, I would, and I had, and I still do have a condition called dyscalculus, which means I rearrange numbers. Not good for an accounting profession, right? (laughs) So two weeks later, Robert and his manager, Bill, take me out to lunch. And I'm again, I'm completely freaked out because I'm studying part-time at university. I'm working full-time in accounting practice to make 
ends meet. Oh. And I just cannot think how they're going to, how this is going to turn out any good. And Bill said something to me. He said to me, Oscar, we have a problem. And I thought, in my head, I'm going, yes, we certainly do. And I hope at least I don't have to pay for lunch. <laughs> and what, Bill's, what, what Bill said to me was, we have a problem, Oscar. You see, in those days, Greg, we were working on spreadsheets, which were A3 pieces yes. of paper I, with pencil and pen. I'm a recovering CPA, so I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> so um, in those days... Um, it was, it was pre-computer. So Bill said, we have a problem, Oscar. We need to computerize our accounting practice. What do you know about computers? I said, Bill, I have to be honest with you. I know nothing about computers. But I've got a strong work ethic because my dad said, I can't always be the hardest working in the room, but sorry, I can't always be the smartest in the room, but I can be the hardest working. Oh. And Bill said, yes, we, we know you're a hard worker, um, do you think you can learn computers and, and put them in? And that, that moment of honesty and transparency and my ability to listen in that moment to an opportunity that would completely transform my career trajectory, uh, sometimes not listening to yourself or to others, it has a cost, but it only has a cost if you're not honest with yourself. What I've learned consistently through a four-decade career so far in my work, in my career development, and in the people I've mentored in the past, Greg, is that those moments when your ethics are tested and you have to decide there may be a short-term cost for telling the truth, the long-term impact is a career stepping stone that you didn't imagine rather than a linear step it's a leap forward. Wow. So so listen with an open heart is one of the things I would say, particularly if you get feedback from people who are lecturers or tutors or professors. And if you're in a workplace and maybe from a manager or a peer, and those moments are, are wonderful learning opportunities for us all. I always say all feedback is valid. Not all feedback is useful. So you have to choose which bit of that is going to be useful for you, but always with an open heart, accept the feedback that people are offering. Oh, that's a beautiful, beautiful way to look at it. Sorry to say time is getting a bit short. We could talk for hours literally today, Oscar. There's nothing <laughs> about it. We've got about seven minutes, but I want to talk with you because it's so interesting. You went into the word mentor and many mm. people feel a mentor is essential to career development. However, if I understand you correctly, you feel a mentor, one mentor may be a career-limiting move. Share with us a little bit more about this, please. Yeah, so a mentor, a single mentor, is unlikely to serve all your career development requirements. Oh. So one of the best pieces of advice I ever got is at any one time, Oscar, now, remember, Greg, that story, I'm not really good with numbers. So whether I was working at Microsoft or in some intergalactic telecommunications company, I always found a mentor in the finance department who would help me interpret financial reports because I, I really 
you know, hey, I'm 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 reading this. Is that the right interpretation? And look, nine out of ten times, I would get it right. So I want to give you four dimensions when it comes to mentoring and seek these mentors out. And then I want to give you three quick fire tips um, that are unusual career development tips that most people won't give you. Uh, when it comes to mentors, seek out two mentors who are two steps ahead of where you want to be, not one step ahead of where you want to be, two steps ahead. Because quite often people will say, well, I want your, I want to, you know, I want to be like you. I want to have some kind of role like yours. Now, what a good mentor will say, well, that's great. But what does that lead to? What's the role after that? So if you're talking to somebody who's in the role, they won't necessarily have the consciousness to ask you that question because they're doing the role. So tip number one, when it comes to a mentor, pick a skill, a competency, not the person. If you want to get a mentor because they're charismatic or they're amazing storytellers or you love the way they dress, whatever it is, be careful. Have a range of role models. Not just one is the point. Number two, when it comes to selecting a mentor, pick one inside the industry or organization you operate in and pick one outside of the industry and organization you operate in as well. And tip number three, make sure you can find somebody who does what you want to do at the expert or mastery level globally. So today, labor can work across many markets. It doesn't you're not defined by the location that you're in. So ah. please, please make sure. So, you know, I'm here in Sydney talking to you, Greg, all the way on the other side of the world. So number two, uh, sorry, number three, try and find somebody who does what you do at a level of mastery globally. And what they've typically done, uh, let's pick CPA as an example. Um, pick somebody who's written a book, pick somebody who gives lectures, pick somebody who does a podcast. Uh, as an example, I did a podcast interview with somebody in Boston. They're a global expert internal auditor. So that that's wow. their role. So they just do podcasts about internal auditors. So please make sure that you find somebody outside your industry and ideally outside of your current geography as well. So have many mentors, uh, don't just have one. That's terrific, really, really well. We're almost coming to the end of the show. Is there one or two final nuggets you might want to share, Oscar? You've shared so many with us already today. So. I think this was the best career development advice I ever got, Greg. Subscribe to a newsletter outside your industry. That was number one tip. Subscribe to a newsletter outside your industry. Oh. Tip number two, this one really shocked me. Thank goodness for Google Translate. Select a newsletter outside of, sorry, inside your industry in another language. Oh, my because goodness. Yeah, you'll relate to that newsletter content completely differently when you realize the level of nuance there is in language. But more importantly, it shows us the assumptions that we make as well. Uh, and then fi my final piece of advice was, Oscar, if you were going to do a TED Talk, 
but in the room was only the people from the industry that you want to be an expert in, what would the topic be and what and what would the content be? And you should spend one hour a month improving that speech and then give it at an industry conference. So the wow. one I've learned the most from Greg is a newsletter in the pharmaceutical industry from India. It was very random for me to pick it, but it definitely opened my eyes up to a different way of thinking in their industry. Oh, isn't that incredible? Oscar, we've saved the most important question for last. From where can our loyal listeners purchase how to listen? How can they best follow you, please? Uh, just wherever good books are sold, you'll find how to listen. And if you want to learn more about yourself and your listening rather than me, please go and visit listeningquiz.com. You'll do a seven-minute quiz. You'll get a report that'll tell you what your biggest barrier to listening is. And more importantly, it'll give you a tip to unlock that barrier as well. I want to make sure I heard that right. Listeningquiz.com. Is that That's right? That's it. Terrific. Yeah. Listeners, no excuse, uh, listeningquiz.com to assess your listening, but also please, please, please pick up how to listen. Discover the hidden key to better communication by Oscar Tromboli. It's holiday time. This makes a super holiday gift. Buy one for yourself, buy one for someone else, be it in the workplace in particular, because we need, and I'm the first one to readily admit, I need to listen better. We all need to listen better in the workplace. We want to make 2023 a very special year. So please, this is the perfect holiday gift to get us rolling into 2023. Oscar Tromboli, author of How to Listen, we can't thank you enough for joining us today on Thank God for Monday. Uh, you've enlightened us, yes. You've inspired us. You've given us great tips on listening, ones that will help with our career development as we close out National Career Development Month. We wish you continued joy, success, happiness, and contribution as you continue on in the last days of 2022 and into a wonderful new year. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Uh, listeners, guess what? Once again, we're out of time. Greg saying our hope and prayer is that when you wake up on Monday morning, just like Oscar Trimboli does, you'll say, thank God for Monday. Until next week's episode, have a great week, everyone. Bye-bye.